0: Thank you for taking time to listen to
1: this week's message from First Orlando. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at firstorlando.com. And if you're in the Orlando area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now, enjoy this podcast from First Orlando.
0: In case you didn't know about it, LifeWay had a women's event here yesterday And let me tell you, it was a great conference. And I'm so thankful to have one of those speakers who could stay over today. And you're going to hear her testimony. And she's going to anchor it in God's Word and tell you the story of her journey. I first met her through her music. She is not only an artist. She's a speaker. She's been involved in a church in Nashville where she is literally on staff and works with her pastor and the team to be there to to teach, to lead, do whatever it is that that God calls upon her to do. And she's also connected to a ministry that you're going to hear about in her story called Justice and Mercy International. It's a ministry, especially in Brazil, and, and doing things to help people to not only hear the gospel, but to hear the truth of what God says about them. And she has given herself to that. She's an incredible friend. I just want you to give a great First Orlando welcome to Kelly Mentor. Kelly, come on up and share your story.
1: Oh my goodness, what a privilege it is to be back here again for the second day. All right, yes, there were a few of you guys here yesterday. Amen. That's awesome. I love that. It was such a privilege to be here with you yesterday. In fact, someone uh, was so gracious to pick me up at the hotel and drive me here today. And she goes, well, have you just loved Orlando? And I said, yes, I have only been at the church the entire weekend, but I have loved it. I have absolutely loved it. And so I'm excited. This is a a little bit of a mile marker in my life to be here with you today. I'm not going to tell you exactly why it's a mile marker until I get near the end of my time with you today. But I am going to share some of a testimony of what God has done in my life and I want to do it as we walk through a passage of Scripture this morning. So I, I'm going to be just, we're just going to kind of weave in and out of Scripture and just some testimony. So uh, I'm going to be in John chapter 2. John chapter 2. And and uh, if, you've, if you've got your Bibles or your device or however you're following along, you can... Uh, just join me there in John chapter 2. And and I want to not just say good morning to those of you who are in this space today, um, which I'm so glad I was here yesterday because it just already feels so comfortable. Uh, But I also want to just say hello to everybody that is joining us uh, online or through television, whatever it might be. I'm anxious and expectant for what only Jesus Christ can do in our midst today. And I want to just throw this out to you this morning before I, I read the text, that, that there may be some who are struggling today with their obedience to Christ. And, and I understand that. I understand that in the deepest place that you could possibly imagine. If we could get together after this and have coffee, we could compare notes. But I understand from a very, very deep place what it means to obey Christ when he is telling you to go this way and everything else in me wants to go this way. And I think all of us in this space understand that tension. Uh, But the reason that it is so important that we are obedient to Christ when he calls us to be is because that shows how much we love him. Um, All throughout John's Gospel and in the letters of John, John over and over, even Jesus himself says, Jesus himself says, if you love me, you will obey me. And so today, it's a matter of love. It's a matter of love for Christ. So maybe it's that you're just on the edge of, of wanting to do the beach baptism. Maybe you're on the edge of wanting to be part of something like So Church or a mission trip, or it, maybe it's something completely different, but it's a matter of obedience that the Lord is calling you to. And that's, I'm going to share some of my story, like I said, but I want to start with the text here. So if we can look at John chapter 2, I'm going to start in verse 1. On the third day, a wedding took place in Cana of Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding as well. When the wine ran out, Jesus' mother told him, they don't have any wine. What does that have to do with you and me, woman? Jesus asked. My hour has not yet come. Do whatever he tells you, his mother told the servants. Now, six stone water jars had been set there for Jewish purification. Each contained 20 or 30 gallons. Fill the jars with water, Jesus told them. So they filled them to the brim. Then he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the head waiter. And they did. When the head waiter tasted the water after it had become wine, he did not know where it had come from. Though the servants who had drawn the water knew. He called the groom and told him, everyone sets out the fine wine first. Then after people are drunk, the inferior, but you have kept the fine wine until now. Jesus did this, the first of his signs in Cana of Galilee. He revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. Let me pray for us this morning. Lord, thank you so much for this time. And I want to pray, Lord, that your glory is revealed today. And that you would call us to that place of obedience because there is no other life worth living than full obedience to you. And we will thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So here we are. We are in first century. uh, First century, we're at this incredible wedding that has run out of wine. Now, we have to think in Middle Eastern terms here, this is not just a one-day celebration or just a reception. But back in the day, uh, you know, the family members would fund the wedding celebration, and a lot of times it would go all week which sounds like a lot of fun a a long party that somebody else is paying for I'm all about that and and so somebody had been paying for this but now we're in a real crisis here because the wine had run out and this is not just an issue of how much fun the people at the party could have but this would also have weighed like a lot of shame on the culture it's a honor shame culture and so for that family who had paid for the wedding to have not purchased enough that would have been a lot of shame on them and so we see that Mary, the mother of Jesus, comes to her son Jesus because she sees this is a significant issue. And so she tells Jesus, the the, the wedding party has run out of wine. Basically, what can you do about this? And he he says, what does that have to do with you and me? My hour has not come. And and Jesus is pushing back just a little bit on Mary here uh, because she doesn't fully understand what his role is. And when Jesus says, my hour hasn't yet come, essentially he's saying, I have ultimately come for the cross, for, for, the, for the crucifixion and the resurrection. That is, that's why I'm here. That's the hour where I'm going to really be doing some things. Because you see, and I think this is just a paraphrase here that Jesus is saying, I didn't come to save parties. I came to save people. I think that's what he was saying to Mary. Well, what, what does this matter? And yet Mary kind of pushes through that. It's pretty interesting. She she hears what Jesus has said, but then she just turns to to this group of people that are at the wedding. And she says, I want you to do whatever he tells you to do. Now, this group of people, the servants, I had read this story so much of my life, and I'll talk about their significance in just a moment. But the servants, I mean, They they seem so insignificant in the story. You you read this and you, you notice Mary, the disciples, Jesus, the master of the banquet, the bride, the groom, the guests. There are a lot of players in this account. But the servants are so easily overlooked and yet Mary turns to the servants. And she says, listen, whatever Jesus tells you to do, I want you to do it. And I have that word, whatever, circled in my Bible because I don't love that word when it comes to obedience, because there are no parameters on that word, right? Are we willing to do whatever Jesus asks us to do? Whatever is whatever, right? There are no guardrails there. And she says, but I want you to do whatever. And so... He tells them, Jesus says, I want you to fill these jars with water. Now, these were six stone jars used for Jewish purification. These stone jars represented the old religious, the old Jewish custom of the day that Jesus had come to replace. Jesus was going to buy his grace. It was no longer going to be the religious works of, of water. It was, he was going to come and bring the wine. So there's a lot of metaphors that John is bringing out here. But he says, I want you to go and I, I want you servants to fill the stone jars with water. Now, this doesn't make any sense. And, and this is my problem with the Lord sometimes, if I'm honest is that there are times that he asks us in obedience to do things that don't make a lot of sense because the wedding party was not out of water. It was out of wine. And yet, the reason I love these servants is that they go and they fill these water jars to the brim. And that's another, that's another section in my Bible that I have circled because it shows full and total obedience. And I wonder if the Lord is asking you to do something to the brim today. Because for me, there was, there was a long season in my life. Do you love how Christians, we don't talk and talk? we just say seasons, right? There's just, there are those seasons and there's a long season of my life that I, I, I was giving the Lord most of my obedience. I was filling the jar most of the way. maybe even 98% on a really good day. But there was a part of it that I was holding back just in case, just in case Jesus was wrong. Just in case we missed this whole thing. It's like, I need to hold some of this back. But the servants fill all the way to the brim and not just that, but they draw out what they have filled and they take it to the master of the banquet, which I'm just imagining could have maybe even cost them their job at this point, for them to bring water to the head waiter who is looking for wine. This is risky obedience, and yet the servants do this. Now, let me tell you why this text means so much to me. A number of years ago, I had moved from Northern Virginia, Washington DC area where my parents started a church 48 years ago, my dad just preached his very last message there a few weeks ago. It was awesome. But I moved to Nashville, Tennessee because I had signed a record deal. And I was, yeah, I, went, I that's how I felt about it then. But I was so excited because I knew that the Lord was calling me there to be rich and famous all for his glory. You know? Now, I'm glad you all laughed because it's, it's the churches that don't laugh at that that I feel like I have to completely change my message at that point, Right? But I was sure that that's what the Lord was going to do. And so I got to Nashville, Tennessee, and I was so thrilled. I'd signed this record deal, and, and life was just, you know, it was looking up for me. And then a large company bought out the company I was at, and they dropped all of their new artists except for one, and I was not that one that they kept. And it was over before it started. And after that, I signed another record company, and things were actually going pretty well. I was getting some radio airplay, and then that company went bankrupt. Uh, signed with somebody else. They were put in jail. Uh, it, it it just kind of continued on this way. And I remember one day I was so discouraged because now we're talking years. Like this is a long season in my growth with the Lord. Uh, financially broke, uh, just lots of relational things, hardship going on, feeling very forsaken by the Lord. And I, and I remember calling home one day and, and, and getting my dad, who like I said was a pastor, and I said, Dad, you know, there's all these people that I started out with. We're all on these record companies together, and they're all, all their songs are going to number one. And I can't even get any of the radio stations to pick up my stuff. And, and I, I, I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills. And, and he said, you know, Kelly, I, I'll tell you something that's helped me as a pastor over the years is when other people are having success and their brothers and sisters in Christ, you pray for them and you pray for their success, and you pray that they get more number ones. And, and that will just sanctify you, and it will help you with your jealousy. And, and I said, Dad, is Mom there? Can she, can you get her? And, and, and you know, sometime during that whole conversation, too, he, I was just telling him everything that, that had happened, and everything I touched just kind of disintegrated at that time. And, 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 in fact, my manager at the time, and I've never forgotten this, she took me out. For dinner, she had she had managed some of really successful people, and, and she said, "Kelly, I have never seen anything not work this much." <laughs> I, so it's like those are the phrases that you remember, right? And so I told my dad that, and he goes, "Yeah, it does seem like your career is a little bit of a miracle in reverse." You know, and, I, and again, I was like, "Dad, is Mom home? I need you to hand the phone over, right?" So we, but we laugh about it now. But it, it, it really was. It was like the Lord was just kind of thwarting everything I did. It was, it was just unbelievable. And, and I, I remember opening up God's Word one night, just in just desperation, on on multiple accounts, not just career, but just multiple accounts, single. Uh, I, I'm still single. I've been single my whole life. And I, I'm grateful. I, I will say to anyone who is single for whatever reason, you can live fully, a very full life. But it is not without its, its struggles and its challenges. And, and especially at that time, it was extraordinarily lonely. And I don't know if you've been at this place in your own Christian life, walk with the Lord, but where you just open up the word and you're so broken and you just need the Lord to speak. And I opened up to John 2. I don't know why I was there, but I was sitting on a couch of a friend. I was by myself and I'm making my way through the text. And I get to this point where Jesus is interacting with the servants. And I realized that I had never noticed that the servants were even part of the story, much less what an integral part they played. And I got to this part of the, the servants and their obedience. And the Lord spoke just as clearly as I know his voice to speak. And he said, Kelly, I did not call you to Nashville to be a star. I called you here to be a servant. And it was a major amen. Yeah, amen, amen. Praise God. I, I'm so thankful for that distinction and that change. I mean, I can go back to that moment, and I, I that was a distinct shift in the whole trajectory. Uh, of my life and my path, and not just my career, but just ha- everything of how I look at the Christian life and why I'm here, and that is one reason why I've been so thrilled to share this Sunday with you, because this church is so missional. It's so about servanthood. It's it's so about being part of serving Christ and His body. So that was a that was a moment for me where the Lord had to shift my thinking, and why I was even there. And everything since that moment has been different. Not easy, but it has been different. I want to now look at verse 9 because this is one of my favorite moments in all of Scripture. And it says that when the head waiter or the master of the banquet tasted the water after it had become wine, he did not know where it had come from. There's so much going on in the story because all of a sudden you think no wait a minute how did how did the head waiter get wine you know how did this even happen because it was the servants had drawn water and, and so he tastes this amazing wine and then he begins to give credit to the groom he doesn't really know where it comes from but then he says to the groom this is incredible i, I can't nobody does this nobody saves the best for last. Everybody, they, 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 they start with the best at the top. And then, and then after everybody's had a little too much, then, then they cheaper wine. And you know, I know the Baptists don't do that. But but they, this is like, he's like, this is so backwards. And, and he says, but you have, you've, you've saved the best for last. And so the groom's getting the credit, the master of the banquet's tasting this. He cannot believe it. And it says that he doesn't know where this has come from. And then I love this at the end of, of verse 9. But the servants who had drawn, not the wine, but the water knew. The servants who had drawn the water knew. They were the ones. It was the secret of the servants. And here these servants had come and they had drawn water. They knew it was water. And somehow it had got to wine. Again, I don't know why I I thought the way I thought about this story, it, I don't know how many of you all grew up in Sunday school and you had those flannel graphs, you know, with the light blue felt, bl- I'm so old, I just dated myself so much. All the young people are like, what are you talking about? And, and it was like these static characters and it was how they would tell a story and they'd stick them up there. And, and for some reason, and I'm not saying that the flannel graph did this, but for some reason in my mind, I thought that when the wedding had run out of wine, that Jesus called everybody around. And, 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 and said, okay, see these stone water jars? I'm going to do some kind of exceptional magic here. And, and then all of a sudden it's going to be wine and everybody's going to applaud and, and it's going to be great. But that is not how this story happened at all. N- nobody even knows where this wine came from except the servants who drew the water. And so you have to ask yourself, and I have to ask myself, so when did this miracle happened? When did the water become wine? And the very clear answer here is it happened somewhere in the middle of obedience. Somewhere in the middle of obedience. That is how. That is where this happened. And, and for me, that was such a good reminder because for me, most days is filling up stone water jars, drawing out water, and carrying water someplace. That is most of our day. That is the obedient life of what it means to be a servant. But we just never know when that moment will come when all of a sudden the water will turn into wine. We don't get to, as the song said, we don't get to negotiate that with the Lord. But we get to be servants and that is where, that's where it happens. And and maybe the Lord is asking you, maybe you're in that place of just water filling, water drawing, and water delivering, and you're wondering if it's worth it. You're wondering if you're on the right path. Listen, if this is what Jesus has called you to do, there's no question, no question in my mind that the miracle of obedience will happen. It's just a matter of when. It's just a matter of when it will happen. Um, As I think through this story, I think I want to be a servant who knows the secret. Um, You know, we think that the the guests, the bride, the bridegroom, the master of the banquet, they all got to taste the wine. But the servants got to understand the source of the wine. The, The master of the banquet and the guests got to taste the wine, but the servants got to be part of the miracle. And as I reflected on this story, I realized that, you know what? The servants, I, I highly doubt in that culture that the servants ever got to taste one drop of that wine, but who cares? They now knew the source of the wine. They now knew the secret of obedience. They got to be part of the miracle. And I decided, and, and, and I've continued to decide over and over in my life as I've continued to follow Jesus, that I want to be part of the miracle. That's what I want to be. I don't necessarily just want to be tasting it. I want to be part of it. I want to know where the everlasting supply comes from. I don't want just one glass of the wine. I want to know the source of it. And so I love these servants because they were the ones that got the secret. The groom got the credit, but the servants knew the secret. Now, the reason why being with you this morning is such a milestone in my life is because 20 years ago, I was here in the parking lot of First Baptist Orlando. I don't even know if I came inside. There was a radio station, and they were putting on a big Christian music fest. And I'm, the parking lot here, I guess, was big and a great place to do it. And they set up a stage outside. Maybe, maybe somebody was even, you know, there at the time. This was a couple decades ago. And I was just at the top of my music career with a whole bunch of other artists. And I was in that parking lot, and I was strumming my guitar, and I was just praying, you know, just again, Oh, Lord, just make me famous all for you right here at this church and I had no idea the way that the Lord would in many ways wreck my career plans and change the trajectory of my life and would one day bring me back inside this building, not to do music, but to be able to open God's word with you and to testify to what he has done. I'm thankful that I get to share this moment with you today because it's very meaningful in my life that the Lord had not forgotten me at that time. Well, after the two failed record deals, I signed a third one, and I thought, well, now, I mean, third time's a charm. That's got to be in the Bible someplace, right? And I signed a deal with this organization, this record label in England. They have brought us some of the greatest worship. Uh, songs of our day, In Christ Alone, Blessed Be Your Name, 10,000 Reasons, There's just so many great songs that we're singing all over the world. And it all came out of this record label in uh, England. And so they called me one day and they asked me, they said, we would love to fly you over and we're going to do this night of worship at Abbey Road Studios in London. And and would you just kind of pray about doing that? And I thought, you know what, that's just not even something I have to pray about because I think that the Lord has said yes to that. So I got on a plane, went over there. We were at Abbey Road for about four days rehearsing. I mean, it was just surreal. It was so awesome. And I remember thinking, like, finally, Lord, I've done all the stuff with all the music. And, and, and now, now finally, now really this time, all for your glory, it's going to go. It's going to go. And so I did my song and it was a great night. And after I was, I was finished singing and listening to some of the other worship leaders, I went up into the balcony At Abbey Road Studios and the president of the record company at that time, John Pack, he came uh, to the front, thanked everybody for being there, said he wanted to turn our attention to a ministry that he was involved in in Brazil, in the Amazon jungle of Brazil. And this video began to play and I very clearly remember. I had my tea, my scone, I was comfortable in the balcony, I'm watching this video and I'm seeing all these people that are ministering in the jungle that look extremely hot. They're sleeping in a hammock on a wooden boat. And I remember thinking, Lord, um, God, thank you and bless those people that you have sent to the Amazon and thank you for sending me to London because this suits me better and, and, and it wasn't 10 minutes later that that president, John, came up to me and said, hey, would you like to go to the Amazon with me sometime? And I thought, oh, I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> so I called my dad because my dad, he's 78. He's still going with us. He loves that kind of stuff. My mom's been, she doesn't love that kind of stuff, but she's come three times. And, and my, my sisters, and we all went down the Amazon, and God completely just wrecked my heart for the people of Brazil, especially that region. Love it. Love it. And, and I remember being out on the boat one night and I was talking with John because we went consecutive years. And, and at that point, my music career was still nothing, nothing. I was really moving more into Bible teaching, Bible study, all of that. And, and I remember thinking that the Lord had tricked me to the Amazon through London and through music. And I looked at John. I said, John, you and the Lord tricked me here. But I'm so glad that you did that because now I'm here and I wouldn't trade what I get to do here uh, for anything in the world. And I want to show you just a snippet, um, just a snippet of one of the servants that I met in the Amazon one day. And she came up to me, this woman, no way she makes more than 50 cents in a day. Fish is just faithfully serving. And she said, Kelly, there's a song. It's called I'd Rather Have Jesus. And it's made its way all the way to the Amazon. And she said, and I sing this song all day. And she began to sing the chorus for me. And when it got to the part about I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold, she does this. (laughs) She doesn't care. She has Jesus, and you can see it on her face. And I just want you to see what I saw that day, just a chorus of "I'd rather have Jesus."
0: Segura aqui, filha. Vou cantar mais uma vez, não Jesus. Jesus é melhor. do que ore bem. Jesus é melhor do que tudo que tem. Melhor que riqueza e posições. Melhor, muito mais do que milhões Pode ser um rei com poder nas mãos Mas do mal, escravo sim Mil vezes prefiro o meu Jesus E servi lá até o fim Amen Jesus da glória.
1: That's the secret of the servants, right there. That joy. And I've told her and I've told many of the Amazon pastors and their wives that I get to minister to there at our annual Jungle Pastors Conference that when I was dreaming of all of the things that I wanted to do for the Lord, The 12th Annual Jungle Pastors Conference was not on that list. (laughs) And yet I go every year, sometimes a couple times a year, I'm headed back to the Amazon in June, Lord willing. And it is just part of my ministry, but I will tell you that I would not, I would not trade people like her and what they have taught me about the living God for any award, for any stage, for anything. You all, we want to be the servants at the wedding. I promise you, that's the people we want to be at that wedding. We want to be the ones who are serving Jesus because there is no life like it. There is no adventure like it. And as you could see on that woman's face, there is no joy. There is no joy like it. So if the Lord is asking you today to obey him, would you do it to the brim? Would you do it all the way? Lord Jesus, I pray for my dear brothers and sisters today, Lord, who are wanting to follow you. Lord God, would you give them the grace to take that step, that next step of obedience, and we trust you for the miracle. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the First Orlando Podcast. For more information like our service times, location, and other contact information, be sure to visit us online at firstorlando.com. Have a great week.